0: and welcome to Normal with Autism. We are walking with faith on this side of the spectrum, and this is the podcast where we invite you to the kitchen table to experience the joy in the journey. I'm Tara. I'm Sarah. Hello, my friend. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, guess what? what it's officially our podcast birthday today yay happy yay! anniversary we are we are my watch tells me it's third no is it thursday yeah my watch tells me it's thursday september 3rd and we are officially two years old as of
1: Ah today what's the um like traditional gift for a second anniversary
0: i don't i
1: Marrow's
0: I have no clue. I don't know.
1: It's probably like paper. One of those.
0: Gold. Mm. You can get me something. That would be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we get into our content today, um, would you mind updating our listener family on what exactly happened to you at Goodwill the other night?
1: Girl, (laughs) let me tell you what so i had a rough day at work and i'm like i'm going to have some self-care i'm going to go to goodwill buy some ugly pottery and then go get a blizzard from dairy queen self-care
0: is the motto of 2020 we are all about like that is for real that is it self-care okay go ahead
1: do your self-care often because we all need it yes
0: yes yes yes
1: so i pull into goodwill right behind two fire trucks and i'm like huh something's going down (laughs) and i sit there in my car and like watch for a little while and like all these firefighters get out and they have like sledgehammers and axes and wow they weren't playing around they were not messing around and then they start like jacking the truck up and like what's the ladder and they go on the roof and I'm like oh man something bad is happening okay but also can I go shopping so (laughs) I'm like waiting for like I don't see flames Like, there's people inside. So I, like, go and ask, like, the fire chief guy. I'm like, can I go inside? And he's like, sure. (laughs) So I just, like, go in and go shopping and hang out. And uh, it turns out that the fire alarm went off and no one could figure out why. So they were, like, investigating everything. Gotcha. But I was also so excited that I was allowed to go in that when I came out back out to the parking lot, I realized that I forgot to turn my car off. So my car had been running in the parking lot the whole time I was shopping.
0: That is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's not really good, <laughs> but I'm I'm laughing right now. Because, yeah. yeah, you said and that. I was like,
1: Matt's going to kill me if he finds out. So, for, of course, the first thing I did when I got home was like, guess what I did? Ha, ha, ha.
0: <laughs> is your car okay? Yeah, it's fine. All right. It's not the first time I've done that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm Unfortunately. glad. I'm glad that you have priorities obviously when there's a fire truck involved in shopping shopping is still the priority or thrifting I'm sorry thrifting not shopping but but thrifting yeah
1: unfortunately I didn't really find anything though
0: (gasps) well kind of a bummer next time next time yeah okay
1: I've learned that when the universe like whenever you have like a niggling feeling of like I should go to the thrift store you should go because that means there's something good there and then universe is trying to let you know so i was like this could be the day i find a vintage lisa frank trapper keeper but alas it was not so
0: okay all right well we are going to get into things now that you have regaled us with your thrift store um shenanigans is that all right with you
1: Yeah, I'll tell the story about me screaming
0: at the Starbucks guy at the end. Okay. (laughs) Yes, I forgot about that. You have to do that. This episode we're getting into is called The Katina Way because we have some very special guests joining us, and one of them is Miss Katina Burkett. Did I get that right? Got it. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Yay. Katina is joining us. And then our, we have our returning friend champion, Sean, who is also joining us. How are you, Sean?
2: Good. Good. How are we're you guys?
0: So, we're good. We're so excited that you're back. And we're so excited that you uh, are connected with Katina and you are, you said, hey, let's all get together and talk for a little bit. Um, we're excited to have you both join us today. Um Thank you. Katina, first let me say that um we had heard I think we'd actually first heard about you when we got connected with the Color of Autism Foundation. Is that mm-hmm. is that right? You're your uh buddies with them as well. I am. Wonderful I've done a
3: few web, web with them.
0: Okay. And um, if you want to take just a few minutes and kind of introduce yourself to the listeners and just let us know um, how wonderful you are and the wonderful things you're involved in.
3: Okay. Well, thank you again for having me. And uh, with me, I'm a clinical social worker who um, discovered I'm on the spectrum just about two years ago. I recognized that I was getting better and better at my job, but socially... Not so much, things were kind of slow. So it wasn't getting better. Um, I realized I had symptoms of autism because like I'm a working clinician with people with autism, right? And um, talking to the colleagues about it, no one wanted to hear about the possibility that I could have it. So the amount of rejection from the mental health community was so crushing that um, I now advocate that mental health providers address black women on the spectrum. And eventually that led to you know, the culture of autism, writing an article and then coming to the culture of autism.
0: Okay. All right. Um, so first of all, let me just say that as you were, as you were speaking on just even the introduction of yourself, um, you talking about not being accepted by your coworkers, um,
3: that Mm -hmm. sounds pretty painful. Very. The rejection of people who respect your work, your ability to assess, your ability to diagnose. I mean, they just really stand by your work and then look at you like, no, there's no research, even on black women. I think you're just going through something. What's going on? Like I'm attention seeking or something, you know? Wow. So it was pretty bad. And then they're telling me other diagnosis. It could be as if I don't know the DSM. You know, or maybe you have a social communication disorder. Maybe it's a personality disorder. You know, all type of stuff. And I'm like, it was awful. It was okay. awful. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Well, I, did they give any insight into why they didn't think that this diagnosis fit? Or, like, me and Tara well, say all the so time. Well. Uh,
3: I talk so well. Look at you. And you Look make at you. Look how you talk. You have a great job. Look you at make you. Eye contact and Yeah, you're looking at me. Um you don't one one psychologist told me that my hands weren't flapping. Like everyone on the spectrum hands flap. Like there's no different levels of people functioning higher than others. I mean, it was so dismissive and mocking and condescending. Mm. It was it was you know, but then I read about women in um, UK and Australia who were getting more, you know, noticed about their autism uh-huh. diagnosed late. If I didn't see those things, I would think I was a little crazy, too, because people really was dismissing me and then they would agitate me and try to challenge me. It was pretty bad. Oh, <laughs> it was so pretty sorry. bad. You don't argue with someone on the, on the spectrum. You don't keep. Switching up on them and, you know, just trying to get them to react. That's not what you do to anyone on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. was doing all of that. So, and, and I knew what they were doing because I'm a clinician. So it hurt because I know what they're doing. Right. And when it's I very know indicative that they're trying to of... Label me something different. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Like women in healthcare are you know, much more likely Period. to be dismissed, ignored, and especially Black women, the, Woo. you know, healthcare that they receive is subpar because they are dismissed. And to hear that yes. that happened with people that should know better is very disheartening. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah. and Because thinking... I'm in the field with some fighting for people, you know, and they're telling me that I'm, yeah. I'm completely clueless and I'm actually trained you know what I mean? So it, it felt really bad. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And speaking as a therapist, the thing that resonates with me with that part of your story is, you know, doing mental health work isn't easy and you need the support of your coworkers. So mm-hmm. to experience it like on a personal level that they didn't believe you, but then on that professional level, that must have been incredibly difficult, kind of. Person figuring through that. Well,
3: it was weird because professionally they they wasn't doubtful of my work, right? My work spoke for itself, right? But personally, I, I I'm completely wrong. Hmm. That's what really got me. That was like I don't I couldn't even understand that type of communication. How you can trust me so much in one area, mm-hmm. and then in the other area, you're like you don't think so. I must be talking, you know, something else is going mm-hmm. on in my life. Maybe a childhood trauma or something.
0: Gotcha.
1: Yeah. I was just gonna say, like, this sounds like it's like trauma. Like, they're causing trauma.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. Which all of which everyone on the spectrum, you get traumatized when you're not able to be you. When mm-hmm. you have to con- force yourself to be what you're not. When you're feeling bad, when you're feeling happy, you have to be their level of happy. What happy looks like to them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just that's trauma to me. So in that situation, it just had in my head like, you know what? As a professional, I need to advocate for this more than a more than a a personal advocate because I don't. One lady pointed out to me that reached out to me. She said she was a nurse uh, and nurse practitioner. She said, Why don't you teach professionals how to recognize other people on the spectrum because a lot of professionals are not trained to understand. And that never crossed my mind. You know, my mind is pretty much linear, you know? So, and I said, professionals, but they have like an alphabet behind their name. There's no way they don't know. (laughs) Right. And she said, alphabet or not, (laughs) tell me about it. So alphabet or not, she said, I have one too, but I don't know. And you're telling me things about my child that I would never ever thought of and i'm all in the autism world and finding out things but the things you're telling me i would have never thought of i said so you're saying professionals need to hear this <laughs> so you know that helped as well
0: wow um so sean can you um reintroduce yourself to our sure. uh, our listeners and then uh, coming off of katina's comments i have i have kind of a question for you also
2: sure um, so, I'm Sean. I have autism. I'm a clinician. I'm based in Wisconsin. Um, trying to think. I come from Pennsylvania. moved to Wisconsin. I have two beautiful little boys and a fiance. And they're my whole world in autism and mental health. There's just such a lack of service in that area. And that's why um, I serve in that area and why I would kind of want to do professional education for mental health clinicians and social workers and foster parents alike. Mm-hmm. Can in that hmm
0: Can you tell us how did you and Katina become connected?
2: Well, fun story. Um <laughs> so I read an article in Spectrum that Katina wrote that believe it or not, I was working with VR development group at the time and they were like, We were doing an autism and employment talk and they were like, You have to read this article. And it's just like who is this person? So I reached out to Katina and we got talking because like when you're a social worker and you're autistic, it's like, like there's just no one else who does it, who goes through this. So like, it was really interesting. Like our conversation very much started around like, was social work education helpful for you? Oh yeah, it was. It's was life saving person and environment. And then like, we're going back and forth and like, Talking the theories and then we got to talking and I asked her to write an article for my website. Cause um, like I said, I'm trying to kind of bring resources into one place for mental health professionals um, in training in autism best practices. And so I asked Katina, I'm like, I'm not um, a minority, I'm a majority. So I, but I really think there needs to be cultural standards of competence in mental health, especially with autism again an underserved area and so I got in touch with Katina and then she wrote the article and then people loved it like to the point where she got invited to do a podcast so we started creating a course and now here we are.
0: Wonderful. Amazing. And that's what we're going to end up talking about here in just a minute is um, the work that you two are doing together. Um, Before we get into that uh Katina, you already kind of shared a little bit of your personal autism diagnosis story. Um talking about how mm-hmm. just a couple of years ago you came to this diagnosis. Um did, how did mm-hmm. you how did you finally like say okay, this is what it is. I'm autistic or I have autism?
3: Well, um I knew I had to talk to someone because once I realized that's what it was. And just just a little bit of background on that. I I was like, how how in the world do, because I had one friend tell me, um, well, if you're having all these social issues and it happens with everyone, then the problem might be with you. And which is true. I said, I bet I'm not the only person on the spectrum that has heard that, that didn't understand. So I said, yeah, the problem is with me. So I had to figure out I'm having the same problem no matter where I go. So then I said, I'll find a therapist. And I found a black therapist. I said, I'll, I'll try a cultural one that's, you know, that maybe can relate a little bit more or something. And um, she was in touch with a doctor that she works with who no longer take new patients. And she really seemed the want to help me. And I said, well, can you get your doctor to evaluate me? I said, because if I don't have, because she wanted to do trauma therapy, she figured it was trauma. Of course, always trauma. I said, yeah, but if I don't know, if my autism isn't being addressed, I can't address anything else. My autism has to be assessed. It has to be related to how I communicate in order for me to talk about trauma. I can't do trauma if I don't know who I am. That's not, you can't, and no one can do trauma if they don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling me why I don't look at you and I don't even know why I don't look at you, then you can't tell me about how trauma's related to certain things. So she got me to the doctor. I had a letter from a job I was at and I let him read it, it was a recommendation. And he said, this is excellent. It looks like you're gonna be moving up. And then I gave him a letter that they wrote to me three days later that was constructively firing me. And it didn't make sense. And it was so weird because even on the letter to constructively fire me, the the administrator wanted me to sign the letter to say, that, I said, no one fires you and asks you to sign a letter saying that you agreed to be fired. I said, so he wanted to cover his butt because he couldn't even rationalize firing me. So when the doctor saw those letters, which was within a week apart, he said, okay, all right. He asked me some questions. You know, he went through the little assessment thing. He said, but this letter seals it for me. Wow. He said, yeah, because he has, he does a lot of letters with getting people on a spectrum that's high functioning to work okay. so that employers can work with them. And when he saw the letters i brought him, he was like oh yeah okay yeah <laughs> that helped him a lot
1: <laughs> well thank goodness. And was it like a like a weight was lifted off of you like oh now i understand oh, man, or was it like one
3: a one lady i heard described it as taking a corset off after 30 years that's mm-hmm. how she described it so that's exactly how it felt for me as well mm-hmm. like i was finally free Mm -hmm. You know, everything made sense. I had a reason. Uh, He was like, you might not want to tell people that you're on the spectrum because they're going to give you a hard time. I said, doctor, if you could tattoo it on my forehead, I would love that. I said, because I don't want to enter another relationship, another interaction, hiding that I have this issue that's not harmful to anyone. It's not manipulative. It's not lying. It's not any of these judgmental things. And I want that... Paste it on my forehead, if you could, because people who try to feel you out and be a little slick with you, they have trouble, you know? And uh, the most scathing people are attracted to me. You know, Mm -hmm. if they're underhanded, and I used to wonder why do I attract these people who are just underhanded, and now I know why, because they don't feel any nasty from me. They don't have anything to fear from me. That whole feeling, that whole vibe is not there. So I said, yeah. okay, now I understand why I get manipulative people and selfish people in my life. I, I get it. So it just made everything make sense. Wow. So that that helped a lot with him giving me that because he asked me some questions and um I got my diagnosis and I'm very happy.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. I love that you fully like embrace it and Like are not ashamed of being autistic because me and Tara say all the time, autism is not a tragedy. Being autistic is not.
3: And I really feel we can do a lot on our own. Like y'all have It's it's awesome. It's it, it can be awesome.
0: So having which made me happy
3: about
0: me. Yeah, having said that, are you able to kind of look at that experience you had with that doctor? And do you ever wonder like how things may or may not have been different for you had you had the diagnosis when you were a young kid or teenager? It wouldn't have been
3: good. Because okay. not that I understand, the only reason why things are kind of good is because I'm already a clinician. And Mm -hmm. I understand why he's giving me the diagnosis and even his suggestion not to tell people and uh, things are going to be bad with it. I don't see it that way. That's why it's not bad. Had this had been given at a younger age and the parent was told the kid may get judged. This may be negative. Things could go have gone for me differently, Mm
2: -hmm. especially
3: culturally, if you're trying to be seen in a certain way. So it wouldn't have worked out well for me to have this at a younger age because I would have been taught what I can't do, what I can't be, what my limitations are. But by me not knowing, I didn't know I had limitations. I didn't know what I couldn't do. So life was harder, but I did it anyway. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it would only be working out like this because I was who I am, speaking to him from who he is and my understanding of it, because it's not a positive response you get when you get the diagnosis if it's really up to you to see how you feel about it and how you're going to use it.
0: Okay, okay, that's a really good point. And I even yeah, have another. Powerful. Yeah, I have another question for you, but
3: I don't know. <laughs> I'm like I have all these things. coming no, through. Coming through. I'm just like I'm soaking all this in. in. It's like the people that see this want to hear this. It's going to be in their head too. So whatever.
0: I guess following with that idea, I'm wondering now in today's. 2020 with mental health diagnosis because mm-hmm. what we know about the autism diagnosis is one it was um you know first evaluated and seen and observed by a white man right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's usually with white kids and mm-hmm. usually white boys were the were the typical like this is who we based all our observations on and mm-hmm. that's where we get the criteria and mm-hmm. you were even talking about this in kind of one of your videos on your website mm-hmm. Mhm. I wonder if you feel like there's um either good or bad for young black boys and black girls today who would be getting this diagnosis of autism. Like cuz I kn- I know for Sarah and I when we both got it for our kids it was it was a gut punch but it was also relief like okay now mm-hmm. we know and all these doors mm-hmm. opened but you bring up this mm-hmm. intersectionality of black culturally. Um, so yeah, your perspective no on that. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. No that's, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. So yeah, you, and is it gives it almost seen, another
1: risk factor.
3: Well, it is because what really gets me is that the doors that your sons have, we need the same doors. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not like we need a special door or a back door or a side door. We need the same exact door. And that's the issue for me because they have the same issue. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I remember I went, not to be off subject, but I went to a meetup with other people, adults on the spectrum. Now they weren't functioning as high as me, but it felt so comfortable. So I was like, even though we had different culture different everything, what how we socialized how we communicated the non-judging the talking over each other it was just wonderful and free and i said you know what i don't think i can remember the last time i felt this free just talking to people i didn't know mm-hmm. so i really think if those same doors for your kids opened up for other children period mm. And um, most kids I know on the spectrum, unless it's taught at home like other kids, but even more so with them, they really don't care about color at all. Even adults, if they can find another adult that's on the spectrum, all they see is a buddy on the spectrum. It's like, man, how you dealing with it, man? How you working? It's so, I think that's what I love about people on the spectrum because if they're not really dealing with the race. They're like, man, how you doing? How they treating you? Where you going? <laughs> you know, it's such a it's such a buddy system and automatic. So, I really think if they just had the option of being seen, it would change so many lives.
0: Yeah, I agree absolutely. Um, so talk to us, uh, for just a few minutes. We're kind of gonna bring Sean back into the the fold mm-hmm. and the conversation here. Um, mm-hmm. You guys, Sean shared an article with me actually called The Katina Method. And um, I'm kind of curious, what brought you two together in terms of work? Let's start there. And then the second part would be, what is it method-wise and work-wise you want to talk to us about tonight?
3: Me first? You first or okay. Sean, yeah, okay. either one. Well, Sean can tell you what he told you about the article and yeah. when he asked for that article um i really wanted to use that opportunity because he seemed so genuine you know and wanting to you know culturally address people period yeah. you know and and have uh, the insight where you know it's welcoming and then he was on the spectrum i was like oh my god we're going to have to be friends but you know i don't want to be weird <laughs> but um, uh, he's, a, he's a therapist on the spectrum and he's trying to find out his cultural stuff. Oh, my God, I want to be his friend, but I got to ease up. You know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, so <laughs> once that happened, um, I, I went and I really thought about it hard. And I said, you know what? How about, you know, Katina Method? Because Katina's way, the one of the things I promote is we can do a lot just working with each other. We don't have to rely on non-autistic people to make things happen, to have successful business, to have successful way. So I seen him working with me as, if we can do something together that's never been done, we can make our money together. It, it will be viable, because he's a therapist, I'm a therapist, so that's how that came. And um, everything he asked me about, like culturally, how can we, and he was very clear about it and just honest about it culturally what can we do and that's when the katina method came up and i came up with ways that the therapist can use you know to culturally be honestly engaged and you really have great intentions wonderful
2: can i jump in is yeah. that okay so one of the <laughs> things i think about is katina we met in what in late june early july mm-hmm. it's a- about the time of the george floyd burgers mm-hmm. um, and that's when the riots started so there's that piece mm-hmm. of it and there's the science that says there's just this distribution and services where people with autism have less access and um significantly less access to mental health services mm-hmm. because clinicians don't feel confident and so we're kind of trying to address that gap so i mean part of it's like like None of this happened in a vacuum. Like I mean, I'm like I live in a predominantly white area. It's really disheartening. Um we have Native Americans, we have primarily Native Americans and is the only minority. Um we have a couple black people and a couple Hispanic migrant um workers and we have a grossly large population of somalian immigrants um from Genio turkey factory it's really kind of interesting <laughs> but aside from that i mean really like wisconsin's kind of white like it really is uh, it's like vienna where hans Asperger like did his 30 publications Is our samples primarily white but that's not how the whole of the united states is that's not how the whole melt-to-all treatment for autism is i mean people with or Hispanic and black get diagnosed way less because of their, of their lack of access to healthcare providers. And so we thought it was kind of important to kind of address this gap because like I said, it's not a vacuum. Like these things happen in real time and base, and the science supports it. And, I mean, media supports it. And you guys have been talking about it for weeks now. I follow your Instagram posts and there's always really firm and like, we're going to get through this messages, and I really appreciate that.
0: So talk to us for a minute. The, the Katina method is part of kind of, it sounds like just one piece of the work that you two are doing together. Am I getting that correct?
3: Um, yeah. Well, yeah, because this is from the actual, um, the use The how would you call it, um, Sean, like the article itself?
2: yeah i mean this is really like an extrapolation of the article because the article got really good feedback um so it's 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 a work within the sean enderbitson.com library of courses but um katina's pretty great so i expect there may be more mm-hmm. um so much she's brewing on but um
3: and we have the um
2: what
0: computer acting up there you're you kind of coming through there you go
3: okay
0: yeah sorry about that I don't know
3: what's going on um I didn't hear the last part he said but the the presentation we're working on that we we worked on together yeah tell us about that can you hear me yeah okay Mm -hmm. yeah the presentation is um I'm really excited about it you know we pretty much finished it up if you know Sean said he's he's into the you know selling and seeing who's interested and I want different other other places to to get it and have that presentation of us together and, and just see the differences in it. Um it's not always about socioeconomic advantage and disadvantage. It's just originally it's not recognized for many minorities so um i'm excited about that piece we're working on right now
0: okay (laughs) we're losing you just a little bit i'll tell you what we'll take another question to sean and let you see if you can come back in oh no okay all right, Shawn, it's storming
1: will... where Katina is, she said it's been thundering and lightning, mm-hmm. so I wonder if yeah. that's messing with the connection.
0: I'm sure, I'm sure it does. Um, have you guys, Sean, have you, um, let's see. Go for it. Have you guys um, brought this to, like, other therapists yet? I know you said that you were going to introduce it here on the podcast sure, tonight. Yeah.
2: So and... we're actually looking at selling to a couple parties. Um one I'm looking at a university and the other is a child welfare agency out of Philadelphia that serves about 5 to 10,000 um kids a day.
0: Oh wow. Um,
2: so we're looking at like scaling pretty quickly. Um Kind So we haven't really op- rolled it out in full yet, but this is kind of like the introduction to it. Um, it really is designed for therapists, but we're hoping to sell it to maybe social workers and foster parents. Um, kind of the target being child welfare agencies. I think they're kind of the target audience because um, one of the things that Katina said to me that's always stuck with me about this training is that she wants people who, are people of minorities to be able to have access to this and one of the issues with some of these trainings like and tara you'll probably get this like with the tfcbt especially the EMDR, is they can get really spendy really fast um so we kind of want to avoid that model because we want to give access to clinicians you know who don't have giant budgets like i i feel really fortunate my organization i work for gives me a training budget but I know a lot of mental health agencies in the areas don't like, they don't give clinicians from the training budget and a lot of clinicians have to pay for it out of pocket. So that's why we're trying to sell to these agencies where we can get, or at least target it at a reasonable cost and still make it worth our time. Um, because the other axiom of it is like, if you give away your services for free, no one values them. So right. I think there's very much yeah. this piece of it where we like, we do have to value it because like Tina said, we are both autistic clinicians and let's face it, there's not that many out there. Like, mm-hmm. and so we kind of have a unique perspective and a unique angle on the market. And I think um, that'll make it a really good product because I think people can actually have some like, hey, this is what it's like to be autistic and black. This is hey, what it's like to be autistic and white. and. And I just think different cultures treat autism differently and our ability to interact and talk about how does being white and autism interrelate or how does being black and autism interrelate? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of fascinating. So I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I agree.
0: So Katina, um, part of the method that you developed, uh, A, stands for ask yourself a few simple questions. And you go in to talk about: Do you feel competent to ask about, respond to, and support clients regarding their experience of racism, oppression, and intersectionality? Um, and then you kind of go on to talk about, like, if you identify as white, um, maybe here's some of the things that you should check into. Um, what do you want to see from white therapists? Or folks who identify as white, white therapists, social workers. Um, what are you hoping to see from them using this method?
3: Um, I'm hoping that once they see what the suggestions are, they can see because they're in the field already. So they can understand that when you go into school for therapy for therapy, you know, to be a therapist, they'll tell you you should get therapy. You know what I mean? Like, just try it, be on the other end of it. So this is just asking them to use what they already know and try to examine themselves to see if they can ask these questions without putting themselves in it. If they can be objective enough to what's happening in the world, despite how we feel about it, so they can address this person from that standpoint. Because if you have any guards up, if you're busy trying to worry about looking good or having any guilt because you're white, you know, what I mean? all that has no place in it. At that point, you're a therapist. Go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, I don't know if either of you have ever read Scott Miller, but he's a therapist. who's or He's a psychologist he who's does what's called feedback informed treatment. It's a SAMHSA based, evidence-based practice. And he talks a lot about what you're talking about, Katina, actually, where it's it's very much like listening to your clients and tending to that therapeutic alliance. And I just love that about the Katina method, sorry.
3: Oh, well, thanks, Sean. That's why we are working together. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just really want, you know, I just want them to be able to look at themselves because the truth of it, this is starting about autism. That's how we came together on this. But if anyone's had, like you have children on the spectrum and like we are on the spectrum, once you know about this, you'll realize that a lot of things we're dealing with people on the spectrum is really not about them. It's about mm-hmm. how the world sees them.
1: It's about 100%. how the world expects them from them.
3: So I think even though we're focusing on the spectrum, I really think it's gonna touch so many other areas because it's gonna force people to look at themselves. Like, why do you need me to be like you? Why are you forcing this person to be what they're not? They have potential to be great in a way you don't understand. Can you be comfortable with something you don't completely understand? So I just think as being a parent on the spectrum, dealing with someone that's, you know, and me and Sean being on the spectrum, I think that those people can understand that it's really not the person. It's really how the world is trying to make them be happy and tell them what happy is. And these people are happy with themselves. You know what I mean? So it's like they are happy doing, watching a TV show, playing a game, drawing. They are happy. And it's not what you think happy should be. And once you know that, and we start talking, you break it down, I think these therapists are going to realize this could be really broken down to anything when you're dealing with other people, period. Because they'll without realize within themselves how judgy people are. Mm-hmm. You know, how a little bit mean-spirited people can be, even if it's not purposely. Mm-hmm. Because you have this person who's always in peace that you don't understand. So you pick at them to see if you can get them to the jump. And that's not like, why are you really doing that? So right. I just think that there's so much that can come out of it. And that's what I'm hoping that comes from the therapist when they start work doing that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if that makes some sense, you know. around a bit no that was great so can
1: i give an example of why the work you're doing is so important Sure. so um my son is autistic he also has significant mental health issues he has a mood disorder ocd um he struggled with psychosis in the past suicidal ideation um and most recently depression which is new for us we haven't really dealt with depression um but he ended up, he had a, an appointment with his psychiatrist. He was very depressed, he was suicidal, his psychiatrist sent him straight to the hospital. So um, this is a, a children's hospital, it's a mental health hospital specifically for children. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been there before, <laughs> we're well known there. Um, and they ended up, um, it was this whole long thing, um, but they were trying to figure out what therapies would be beneficial. And um, they were like, well, his IQ isn't high enough to do CBT, even though he does CBT every week. Um, Mm -hmm. It was this whole big thing. Um, But they ended up admitting him overnight while they waited for a bed. And I had to go home to take care of my other son, but I got a phone call the next morning from, you know, the therapy people the therapist and the psychologist had gone in to see him and they were like oh he's so funny so cute he's so sweet he's watching hgtv and eating snacks and telling jokes and you know he seems really happy we're gonna go ahead and send him home and i'm like oh so because he's happy the five minutes that you saw him while he had tv and snacks and attention and no demands and reinforcements because he was happy then you're okay Mm. uh and then she tells me um you know he seems to have a lot of trouble with thinking everyone hates him and he's having trouble with like social cues and he doesn't understand um you know what people mean when they say certain things and i was like he has (laughs) autism yeah yeah like, have you heard of it?
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: This was at a children's hospital.
3: Yeah, yeah. And
1: they ended up sending him home because, like, he was happy while they saw him for a few minutes.
3: Yep, yep. And unfortunately, a lot of, you know, in those situations, majority of the time, if the person's not presenting with self-harm or ideas of self-harm, they can't help them. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. actually having someone to actually have that conversation with you about what set him off, what was the environment, what were the, you know, what what happened. They're just focusing on the now and not on, you know, it, it's, it's rough. That's why those questions she was asking about, they are geared toward um, culture. But if you have any therapists that challenge themselves, they'll be able to look at a child like him and say, okay, what's really going on? And they'll talk about mm-hmm. it knowing he's autistic, you know, whatever it is. And it won't be just, I don't really know what's going on here. I don't really know how to deal with this. He seems fine. Let's send him home. Yeah. Like, and as well, we
1: don't that. have a bed anyway. Well, just because you don't have a bed doesn't mean he doesn't need help.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So much going on inside me right now. I'm not even sure where
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: We have so I can think of an experience where I called or so Wisconsin subcontracts the counties. I don't know if they're lazy or what, but some of the counties, majority of the counties subcontract to these people of like a high school diploma with a clinical supervisor. And so they get like a, say this, if this, say this, if this, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they have like some standardized questionnaire and if it doesn't meet criteria, then you can just rule them out. It's like, yeah. I like, I have been on the phone with some of these crisis lines and like I've been sitting next to someone who's like adamantly like yeah I want to die like they're crying in my arms and it's like okay like something's up here you need to be admitted and they will just look at me and be like well you're there and you're helping your kid and it's like are you even kidding me like I have a master's degree I'm clinically licensed and you have a high school diploma and you're gonna tell me Mm -hmm. that this person I care about deeply doesn't need help. And and it just makes me think of that when you're
3: talking about this. Yeah. And it happens so often. It's perfectly broken. That's why I was like, when Sean, I said Sean, but being that we're both on the spectrum, different cultures talking about this, it has to bring a certain level of attention because we're not sticking to what they told us we're actually using what we do every day what we see every day what we're trained to do every day in real time and we're bringing it to them and we are that everything they said we couldn't be we are so they Mm -hmm. really cannot fight with us you know what i mean we're on a different level and i think like situations with your son you know we can have a say too it's not just yeah. the neurotypical people, people. We can have a say too. So what is, you know, what do they say about it? You know what I mean? Because right. we need more people like us together. So, so a mom like you can say, what do y'all think? Because they'll have you thinking you're crazy. You know, they'll have you thinking you're just making, gaslighting yourself. They really Oh my gosh, really that's exactly
1: how I felt. By yeah. the end, I felt like I was crazy. Like I was like, is this yeah. not a big deal? Am I making yeah. too much of this? Am I being dramatic? and um, I nope. got a hold of his therapist that he sees every week and she was like Mm-mm, no 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 <laughs> so she's like she took it to her boss and you know she's like we need to have training so like something good did have to come of it but mm-hmm. like I had to make an appointment for myself with my therapist because I'm like well, really? am I crazy or is this something that is actually a big deal because I yeah, you know, that's exactly what happened.
3: And I think like, let's say they took me and Sean's course, right? And they said, you know what? There are cultural things that we do that are not appropriate for kids that's on the spectrum. And they can probably say, you know what? Maybe there is something there. Even if they don't know everything, they can be more helpful to you instead of just looking at you like, he's fine. And that's what I'm hoping at the end of the day, like they're gonna question themselves. They're gonna Mm -hmm. rethink about it. Even if it's not in the book, even if it's not in studies, and say, you know what? I'm working, these people saying they see it every day, they're doing it every day, and I'm looking at this kid right now, and this is what I'm seeing. And it's not something we should just, you know, just just gloss over. So that's what I'm hoping. It challenged them to challenge themselves and use their background, their training to make some changes. Because I'm tired of hearing that story with you and your son. It happens too much. Mm-hmm. It happens way too much.
2: Yeah. Can I just say that your ladies podcast is a lifesaver? I use it all the time with parents. Aww. I'm like, you know, you need to go listen to these ladies. And they're like, oh, my God. And and they totally love what you're doing. So thank you for oh, doing that's this amazing. podcast.
3: Yeah, I
1: appreciate no, it. I was just getting ready to say the work that you're doing is going to save lives. You know, honestly, so. like if a therapist or a clinician that's seeing a you know an autistic child in a mental health setting is able to say wait a second let me you know think on that training that I had and not just send them home where they're maybe not safe or because that's one of the questions they asked me they are like are you able to keep your eyes on him 24 hours a day and I was like no <laughs> like is anyone able to do that um you know like you're you're going to save lives with that.
0: good job you're gonna do it i know you are (laughs) keep going (laughs) so as we're as we're starting to kind of um summarize this up where so where do people come find you how do they get this method how do they get this are you guys out there are you are you gonna start giving it to to people the training what does it look like
2: you want to go, Sean? Yeah, I mean, they can come to seaninterbitsen.com. We have a contact form. They can book a consultation. Um, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, Katina is probably the spearhead leader on this project. Um, so, if you want a consultation, I will be, I will be sending Katina the referrals um, primarily, and then otherwise, you can get them in big agency settings there's a chance we may sell to a university system. Um, so we can wow. hit more people that way because they have bigger marketing um, distribution. So we should be out with within the next year or so. Um, do you have anything you want to add Katina?
3: Yeah. Like in the meantime, just Katina's way.com, you know, Sean's site as well, but Katinasway.com. way.com. Um, like y'all, you can visit the site and I have a whole page just, dedicated to the Katina method um and other things as well. Like I'm and um that's just how where we're starting right now. Just reaching out on a straight, one-to-one level until like Sean said, we get it out there to other places who can spread the word of the training part and that it can all come together as something really useful that healthcare providers, period, mm-hmm. can just, you know, integrate in their daily care of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. So your first audience members, your target audience right now, are going to be like mental health workers at this point? Yes. Yes. Okay.
3: I would love them to have this information. OK.
2: OK. It really helps to have that under understanding of mental health. Um, because these things intersect, like police brutality against Black autistic youth. Like, There's a dynamic there that's mental health oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to speak more to that, Katina?
3: um yeah like, like like he's saying the um the whole racial thing where you were asking earlier um about how black children are seen as far as being um being um diagnosed and it's not that there's um, an issue with the kid It's the issue that the, they don't recognize the diagnosis because, like I said, there's no research and everything. So when they're getting approached by police and there's no common knowledge or even second guess that this kid could have autism where they know the rules. So if a, if a authority person is not following rules, everyone knows that a person on the spectrum is very much about the rules. What's right, what's wrong. That's how we kind of figure the world out what I should do, what I shouldn't do. So if you're approaching them and you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, then high danger, because it's gonna look like resistance. It's gonna look like talking back. It's gonna look like questioning authority because they're seeing things that do not fit. And they need to be aware these people are around. They're not gonna hurt you, but their mind is not processing what you're saying. Walking up to them, who are you? Where are you from? You know, in their mind, they have rights. So it's, you know, it could just be very dangerous. And it's, it's, it's something that we have to think about every day, especially black mothers and, you know, mothers of sons is so worry every day.
0: I, when you were talking, I immediately thought of Camille and yeah. and her story um, mm-hmm. that she showed so gracious, graciously shared with us talking about her son. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been posting a few videos of him lately and it, I mean, he's, he's older now, he's grown. And, mm-hmm. um, as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about kids like him, you know, walking down the street mm-hmm. and if he's not compliant right in that minute, you mm-hmm. know, or says something mm-hmm. off, mm-hmm. I mean, he yeah, absolutely. Yeah. will be in that
3: situation. Yeah. And it's a, daily... I
2: um, I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, Katina, if you have more to say, Wait,
3: I finished. I finish. okay
2: okay um well and i think this is why child welfare workers are so important to target and foster parents Mm -hmm. because i mean when we think about kids are at the highest risk it's kids in out-of-home placement yeah um i mean they have the highest likelihood to end up in the criminal justice system because Mm -hmm. you know they've escalated a couple levels they didn't end up there like that like most of the time it's taking a while And so when I like for me, when I think about the audience that needs this most, it's the people that work with them, because they're the ones working with the highest risk kids, kids who are in residential settings or group homes or treatment, foster care homes, because really that's where I mean, that's where you can have some real life shift directions. And if you've got a clinician who doesn't understand autism or a police officer who doesn't and the foster parent doesn't. Like I mean, it's exactly like you were saying, Tara, but it's just truncated. So that's why like for me, like that's why I think that audience is important to sell mm-hmm. to
0: absolutely. Um so now we know where we can find you and we'll make sure that we get um information in the show notes to link to both of your guys' websites. Um Are you on social
1: media as well.
3: Yes, I'll have to give that to you. I don't know it on hand. <laughs> oh, God, that's terrible. I'm, I'm bad PR for myself. <laughs> oh, you're fine. We can put that in the show yes. notes too when we get it.
0: Okay. So we know, um, I think this is kind of the the last thing I want to kind of wrap up with. We know that um, Black families have difficulty getting um, diagnosis, Mm-hmm. Um, like you were talking about, you want those same doors opened. Um, if there is someone listening right now and they're black or a person of color and they're they're hearing this or they might have friends who are black, people of color, and they suspect their loved one might have autism, whether it be a kid or a teen or maybe even an adult, um, what would either of you want to encourage them to do
3: or anything you want to say well i don't have an answer and that's why i want to push for mental health to get more education about it because mm-hmm. right now they can't go anywhere and be acknowledged mm-hmm. without being turned around or misdiagnosed or given a stigma and that's i'm trying to get that answer right now with trying to get the education to the um the healthcare field period because a, a general practitioner doctor who understands this training to pick up on some signs and he can do a referral like healthcare period needs to have these ideas of what it looks like because we really don't know where to go you can go to your doctor you can go to um a therapist but right now they don't really have the knowledge to even address it majority so i wish i had a better answer And that's why I'm starting, you know, from the top down. So hopefully by the time we get some, they go to ask for help. Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about it. And that's something we could do because I don't have a solid answer. And I I hate giving that answer, but that's really what this fight is about trying to get an answer. Absolutely. Sean.
2: So most States have an autism society um, chapter in their state. So like Wisconsin is the greater autism society. And there's an article um, on Sean dot about it, but most states like Minnesota has one. I believe Pennsylvania has one. I'm pretty sure New Jersey has one. I could be wrong, but most of the states have an, a greater autism society of that state, and that state has a lot of resources, and they're free resources usually. And what autism is, autism 101, um, and it's not a medical diagnosis, but it's just kind of an information and referral service um hopefully they can orient families um so i'm a big fan of them um that that'd be where i'd start or one of the autism centers of excellence it's like the weisman center um is another great place if you have a little more like if you're connected to those kinds of things um okay. but not everybody is so but they're out there
0: and seek out your guys's information too i would say yes. right <laughs> <Okay>. yes <laughs> All and right. If at all
1: possible, listen to actually autistic people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right. Well, Sean, Katina, Katina, you're awesome. We love you. It, like when oh, you're talking geez. about like how you
1: wanted to be Sean's friend and like, oh, I can't be too weird. <laughs> like that's how I feel about you.
3: <laughs> oh my! Thank you. I'm like you're around. the coolest. Thank you. <laughs> i appreciate that yeah we, I was, yeah 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 it was me <laughs> <laughs> we,
0: we would love to have you come back anytime we we want you guys definitely to come back and update us on how things yeah. are going um but yeah come back yeah. anytime
3: sure i appreciate thank you well, being guys. so
1: yeah thank you for being so giving of your time and energy um like i know this has to be so heavy for you um you know, I'm like, I'm just so appreciative of people that are willing to share their story and help others and, you know, you're good people.
3: I appreciate it. You all too as well. I'm so glad you're using a platform like this because, you know, Mm -hmm. my, my, my listeners and the people that look to, you know, my videos, they need to see us together talking and having some hope that, you know, they're people, they want some change. They want this to be working out for all of us on the spectrum. Absolutely. So this is gonna really be a great thing. Well,
2: and what I'm really excited for is like we are so racially divided as a country and conversations like this are a step towards a little less division. So I yeah. I find that exciting and encouraging.
0: hmm Yes, lots of encouragement for sure. All right. Well, thank you guys. Um our to our listener family for joining us. Um, as always, here uh are to the complexities in our journeys the joys and sorrows the highs and lows and may those who observe us do so with compassion especially for our amazing autistic loved ones and you guys are all amazing thank you so much for being here tonight Thanks, good night,
1: guys. Good night. Bye.